Welcome to the Orthodox West Gazette podcast, a miscellany of talks, interviews, ponderings, and presentations. I'm Stephen Brannan, and in this episode, I talk with Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia, and administrator of the Orthodox West website. Today, Father Patrick talks a little bit about his recent simultaneous visit to his home parish of two Orthodox bishops on their patronal feast of St. Patrick, and about what exactly the Western Rite of the Orthodox Church is, and why he's so motivated to work for its promulgation. This is, I guess, since this is the inaugural um, episode for this particular podcast on on the Orthodox West, um, it probably wouldn't be a terrible idea to sort of introduce you um, somewhat. So you are the pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia, right? Yes, that's right. And you had your patronal feast day just yesterday. We did. How was we, that? Oh, it was uh, it was extraordinary. We had um, two bishops there. Um, bishop, our, our the bishop of the Western Rite Vicariate, Bishop John Abdullah, was there uh, presiding, and also the diocesan bishop for the Mid Atlantic region, Bishop uh, Thomas Joseph, uh, was also there. Bishop Thomas was the one who chrismated our group about twelve uh, years ago. And so we, he's, he's never missed, um, a, a paternal feast of ours. He wasn't obliged to be there, but he, it's really important for him to come. And so he, he made the long trek and drove himself from Charleston and came out. We were very glad he was there. And, uh, Bishop John, of course, is uh, an amazing, um, pastor to us and, um, uh, just uh, really guides and directs and cares for us, uh, in such a, uh, a gentle, kind, and wise way. We just have, we have the best bishops. It's just, uh, we're so grateful for our bishops. So it was wonderful to have them there. It's a little bit, um, it's always a little bit, um, you're trying to find your way as you're doing a Western Rite um, liturgy with, uh, with, with, with Eastern Rite bishops. Eastern Rite bishops, <laughs> right. Right. And they're, both of them know, know the Rite fairly well. They, they visit, um, Western Rite churches a lot and, um, uh, and have a deep love for the Western Rite, and, and they're in services all the time. So they, 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 they're familiar and they know the ropes, but we still have to sort of work out some of the, the details in terms of the ceremony and how to do things. Um, right. Because you had ordinations too, right? We did. We had an ordination to the subdiaconate uh, after Vesper. We had Vespers and Benediction. Um, well, we had stations of the cross on Friday night and, uh, Vespers and benediction on Saturday night. And after benediction, um, David McCready was ordained a subdeacon. He is, um, God willing, uh, will be ordained a, a priest, hopefully, um, in the spring and stationed out at St. Columbus in Colorado, uh, as, wow. as the pastor there. So that's exciting. He's a, he's a dear brother. And um, then our subdeacon, um, David Lockbeeler, uh, on Sunday in the Mass was ordained uh, to the diaconate. And um, this is done, um, you know, he, uh, he washes the bishop's hands at the very beginning of Mass, and then we place him uh, in front of the icon of our Lord and um, tell him to... I, I told him, I whispered something in his ear that I had heard Bishop Antoon say, um, he said, stand here in front of, in front of Christ and let him examine you. 
And if you last <laughs> through the whole service, then we'll, we'll make you a deacon. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a it's a long time to stand there he's holding a pitcher with the water and the bowl and um has a towel over right. his head and uh he he's contemplating his uh his future uh servanthood uh to the kingdom of god and basically that uh, his life is over he's put on the yoke of of slavery to christ and the church and um he's not his own man anymore uh if ever he was but um so it, it's a profound thing to, you know, give yeah, yourself that's... in that way. And um, so he stands there through the entire, from the very beginning of mass, you know, two hour mass or so, he stands there through the whole thing. The um, the holy gifts are consecrated on the altar. Um, so you have the, the whole consecration. And then at the end of the consecration, it sort of winds up with the Our Father. And at the Our Father... Uh, he is then, we go and get him from the icon and the bishop comes and sits at the corner of the altar um, there in the sanctuary and uh, the deacon uh, to be the ordinand um, goes around the altar three times kissing uh, the four horns of the altar and also uh, kissing the bishop as he goes around and um, and then prayers are said over him and He's he's a deacon, and uh, anyway, it was a, it was a glorious day, and uh, we had uh, the church was packed. Uh, we had chairs out, and people were crammed in, and choir was beautiful, and uh, so anyway, it was uh, it was really nice. I'm sure you do have a beautiful choir up there. It's um, they have a an album available for sale. That's everyone yes. should check that out. Yeah, I have it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And at some point you were elevated to archpriest, arch, archpriest yes, as well, right? Yes, yes, I had, um, yes, I was. Um, I, I had hoped to avoid that um, from happening. Well, uh, this, uh, I mean, this is by virtue of your um, uh, long, you know, stint as a, as a pastor leading a, uh, a thriving, healthy parish and, well, our my the the parish there, the people are so loving and um they're so kind uh, to to my wife and I and supportive and, and loving and they petitioned uh, the bishops and um uh, the bishops had a lapse of judgment I suppose and agreed to it um so it happened and I'm grateful um it was nice um so uh, you know my 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 approach to uh to try and be a successful pastor and priest um is pretty simple um i just try not to 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 mess things up too badly and uh if i can do that if i can stay out of the way um god seems to to do a pretty good job of uh growing his church and his kingdom and um you know we we we've been doing a program lately at the church um a church health program we've been working through and there's really a brilliant um, theme in this program. Um, it, the idea is you don't healthy things grow. That's the idea. So be healthy. If you can be healthy, um, you're going to grow. You're going to there's going to be vitality in life there. Right. And right. Um, it's really true. You know, so to uh, the, the job of a priest is the way I think of it is two things. Um, it's to nurture to tend, nurture, and then also to guard and protect. And um, these were the two things that God commissioned Adam to do in the garden, to tend and nurture uh, both, um, you know, his arboreal garden and also his other garden, the woman, 
and also to protect uh, the gardens. And uh, we know from Ezekiel that the uh, paradise was on a mountaintop and it was surrounded by a wall. Um, it was, you know, so it was, it sort of had a fortress around it. And we learn later in the story the reason it needed a wall because there was an enemy prowling about. And, um, and, and tragically, Adam failed to, uh, to protect the garden because the enemy somehow, you know, uh, um, breached the wall and then approached uh, the woman without Adam protecting her. So he, he failed in his duties. But the, the, the Hebrew words uh, that are used for ten, this couplet that's used in the original story there of Adam in the garden, to tend and to protect, the only time those two words are used as a couplet anywhere else in the scriptures are in the institution of the Levitical priesthood. And um, the Aaronic priesthood, they are told also the exact same commission to, uh, to tend and to protect uh, God's mm. flock, his people. And so, you know, I, for a long time, that has been, um, in terms of the pastoral priestly ministry, um, that has, you know, been the guiding uh, light for me is uh, when I'm always thinking that's, that's my job here is to, to nurture and to protect. And um, if I can do that with God's help, then he'll he'll do the rest and uh, he'll make things grow and fill them with life and light and joy. And, and he's done that. We're very grateful. Well, you've also um, made taken it upon you to uh, to not not just sort of uh, tend and protect your uh, your immediate context there, your own parish, but you've um, created. Uh, a new website that has been adopted as the Western Rite Vicariate sort of official website, the Orthodox West. Um, and this was, this was a creative endeavor on, on your part. You, uh, went out and, and found contributors. Uh, you, uh, kind of conceptualized the thing and you've put together this website that is a, um, it's, it's a collection of resources, um, and, contributions from writers and pastors and the purpose of the the website seems to be essentially just to gather all the resources available for uh, what the vicariate is doing with its western right and uh, make it available for for people to to access more easily what was what was your driving sort of motivation in wanting to start that website in the first place well, um, I mean, I, I, I would have preferred if somebody else had done it, um, somebody more qualified, uh, quite frankly. But um, I, I just feel passionate about seeing um, orthodoxy grow and the church grow and uh, the, the missionary endeavors of the church in, in, in the West. And out of my own long gestation period of uh, uh, over 20 years, from the time I, I became really fell in love uh, with, with the Orthodox faith and church uh, to the time I actually entered into the church, um, that long gestation period formed in me um, uh, deep concerns about how we were approaching um, our, our, our uh, duty to, to, to evangelize um, in, in Western lands. And I thought long and hard about it and had a lot of things in my heart and mind and felt passionately about. And, um, you know, I, ha I have a, a zeal for evangelism and missions. 
and I want to see the church grow and I, I want people to become Orthodox. I want to make them. I remember Metropolitan uh, Philip, you know, he, he would just pound his fist on the, on the lectern and say that we needed to make America Orthodox. And uh, Father Peter Gilquist, uh, a blessed memory as well, um, you know, was so passionate and worked tirelessly to bring the faith to um, people in, in our country um, and in Western lands that were not familiar with orthodoxy. And, um, you know, my passion for the church and for the faith um, was always for a Catholic orthodoxy, you know, a, a sort of a, a binocular um, full orbed Catholic orthodoxy that wasn't, um, you know, just limited to, um, one stream, one culture, one language. And, but looking at the whole of our faith, our whole, the whole apostolic faith as it has been handed down through the centuries. And, um, that was a big stumbling block for me entering into the church was the apparent lack of interest in, um, the entire tradition as it has been, uh, you know, handed down to us over, over the years. And I know that a lot of other people, there must be millions of other people that are in the same boat that have been ab incapable. They've not been able to see the Orthodox church for what it is for those reasons. Like I said, it took me, it took me decades, um, almost to, to be able to get over that stumbling block and work through those issues. And so I just, I felt like, um, we had to do something, you know, and, um, so I just, um, you know, we thought about, the, you know, the way to reach people and said, let's give this a try and trying to pull people together, uh, to help out with this and write articles and educate. And, um, so it's really just a passion for, for mission and evangelism and a, and a love for the church, a desire to see America become Orthodox. And, um, I think there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot more people out there, a lot more qualified than I am to do this, but, you know, I was willing to do it, give it a try, but there's a lot of people involved, uh, yourself included, and it have been a big help. People writing articles, and I don't know how to do any of the, um, sort of technical side of things. So other people have produced a really beautiful, well laid out site that's easy to navigate and, um, you know, it's a work in progress. We're just getting started. There's a lot of things we want to do. Um, we envision having a whole resource section for clerics who uh, can go on there and gather things to help them as they're serving the liturgy and even new potential churches coming in um, to Orthodoxy, a resource for them to uh, help them as they're learning how to serve the Western Rite. Uh, musical resources, especially that's very important. A lot of people are crying out mm. for that and need, need, need the musical resources. So we're looking at doing recordings and providing that. And there's other sites too. There's lots of other work that's been done. Um, this is, I mean, sure. we're the new kids on the block. I mean, there's, there's priests who have been working for many, many years, uh, and doing phenomenal work. So this is just, this is sure. This one is a other. lot of standing on the shoulders of giants kind of oh. kind of stuff. Well, yeah, and there's other stuff Pool, out pooling, there. Pooling, uh, sure, right. Just as a place to pool uh, resources. I, I know we do have uh, people working on uh, getting uh, the the calendar more filled out with uh, links to the the sanctoral calendar, all the saints' lives, and um, I, we've got some good people working on getting 
the daily office, um, the, the hours, um, digitized. Um, so that's, that's an ongoing project that hopefully will be, um, getting, you know, put on the, on the website incrementally, but yes, it's been, it's been a huge, um, uh, there's been a lot of progress made in just a little over a year at this point. So it's, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where else that goes. Um, well, thank you for the introduction to yourself and, uh, and, and everything. We, I, I wanted to talk with you initially. The idea about this conversation was going to be um, sort of describing what the Western right is specifically. Because both of us are in the uh, the Antiochian uh, Western right vicariate. And, uh, so we, uh, actually have the same norms and guidelines that we follow. Um, those are written down and sort of set in stone. And we've got, um, you know, the guidelines that govern everyone in the vicariate. And I, I think sometimes people don't really know that there are so many guidelines and, and, uh, forms for, for, practicing, um, uh, this, this Western tradition, uh, that are, that are actually set out for, for us to follow. Um, because we both, I know you certainly, um, and myself, we get questions about what the Western right is about, what you guys do, what's allowed and why. Um, so I thought we could just talk about sort of the philosophy of the Western right. What is, what is its purpose? Um, what is it intended to do who is it for um and kind of uh, it's it's foundations what what set it up sure so one of the first things that people might not realize is that um at least in the antiochian archdiocese here in america the western right has been around since 1958 yes so the you know it it goes back further than that there was there was there was quite a bit of work exciting work being done uh, even back in the 19th century and um you know it, it's interesting because there there was a significant amount of intercommunion going on um you know metropolitan Callistos Ware has written an article we've we've published on the site uh that discusses this um up through the 17th century uh between um western and eastern christians that they were still intercommuning so they must not have uh, apparently they hadn't gotten the notice that um that there were that there was this uh, east-west complete breach in 1054 or something. I mean, there were Greek churches with uh, two altars in them. This was not uncommon. They'd have a Latin altar and a Greek altar, and, and the Latin mass would be said, and, and the Byzantine liturgy would be said. And there was, it, you know, it wasn't universal, of course, but it was, it was a large enough um, segment of the population communing in this way to, to make it significant uh, to, you know, to, to, to look at, um, we had, we had a Western right monastery on Mount Athos, which was a ruling monastery actually, um, which existed there past, uh, the, the schism. Um, so there, there was a very short time where you could say, you know, there was, and maybe never, and some people make the point that there's never been a time when there's been absolute breach of communion. But, um, Certainly, that's not to say there has there's not a significant problem. There is, and there is a breach of communion uh, between us. But you go from the 17th century, and then you go to the 19th century, 
and you see the stirrings um, for a restoration of the Western Rite uh, within the Orthodox Church, and um, people begin to work on this. Um, there are many other, the non-jurors approached the East. They were interested, and they were getting a very favorable welcome from from the patriarch. Um, you know, and for various reasons, it never turned into anything. But there were sort of this started- would have been in the like sixteen hundred, fifteen, sixteen hundreds, mm-hmm. and the not yours. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, and then it probably you know J.J. Overbeck, uh, and in the mid eighteen hundreds is when things started getting a little bit more serious. Um, when he began his his work, and he began some um to really lay the foundations for what would become uh, the Western Rite Vicariate in the 1950s through Metropolitan Anthony. Um, but people point to um, people that don't know anything about the Western Rite. They just hear about it and they're like, wow, how does that fit? How does that work? I thought Orthodoxy was Eastern and they have all these questions and they may not, um, they may not, re- and they may think there's just this, some rogue group of uh, whatever, ex-Anglicans or Lutherans or whatever out there who didn't want to give up their Anglicanism, but they wanted to be called Orthodox. And and they might get some picture in their mind about all of this, um, that they're sort of doing this clandestine things, trying to sneak under the radar. And that's that's not at all the case. Um, Many of the many, if not all of the patriarchates have at one time or another uh, affirmed uh, that the Orthodox Church um, has has received the Western Rite and and has supported it, and um, our Patriarchate in in Syria certainly uh, did so and um, encouraged it. And Metropolitan Anthony, um, in response to that, established um, the Vicariate in 1958, um, and they issued an edict which provided some guidelines. They appointed a theological commission. Alexander Schmemann was on that commission, among others, uh, Father Paul Schneerla. And um, they also issued a Western Rite directory, which uh, laid out some of the guidelines um, that you're talking about. Um, I'll, uh, w- one of the things that uh, is, is said in that edict, um, it says congregations and parishes received into the Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese are permitted to retain and use all such Western liturgical rites, devotional practices, and customs that are not contrary to the Orthodox faith and are logically derived from a Western usage antedating the papal schism of the 11th century. Um, so this is one of the, um, it's, uh, one of the points in the edict that was, was issued, uh, by, by, um, our archdiocese in the 1950s and 60s. And um, this was all sort of vetted and discussed and hammered out and looked carefully at by commissions, theological commissions, um, hierarchs. There was a synod in, in Moscow that reviewed um, the liturgical texts um, in, in, in some cases um, and scrutinized them for years. Uh, before sort of giving them their imprimatur um, and, and approving them for use in the Orthodox Church. So th- this has not been done willy-nilly. You know, it's, there's been a lot of work um, that's gone into this. It's been taken very seriously. And um, by those who have at the very foundation level, and, and we have 
we have books um, and liturgical books and practices that have been approved by our hierarchs. Our hierarchs participate in them. We had two bishops at St. Patrick's, the Metro, our Metropolitan visited, um, he visits our Western Rite churches and, um, and receives communion there and, and, and presides in our liturgies. Uh, he was, he was with us. We had the great honor of having him with us in Holy Week, uh, this past Easter, uh, of last year. Uh, he was, he was there during Holy Week for services and which was a, a tremendous blessing for us. And, uh, our two bishops were with us this, this, um, they come every year. In fact, um, sometimes numerous times a year and celebrate, uh, the mass with us. Um, so I think the first point that a lot of people may not recognize if they're not, they haven't been exposed is that, um, this is not, you know, something that has not been done with, without careful, you know, uh, attention by our hierarchs and by um, theologians and um, historians and uh, people have looked carefully. And it, it's uh, this whole project of restoring what rightly belongs to the Orthodox Church. I mean, a part of her apostolic heritage, a part of holy tradition. Um, this is a part of our vineyard that has been sort of quarantined off. It was this is a part of the vineyard that was maybe uh, taken over by a rogue gardener, so to speak. And uh, but it belongs to us. It, it's it's part of us, and um, you know we we want it back. So we want to live in the fullness of everything that we've received. And um, you know, so that there was a there was a there was a vision for this that came um, from our hierarchs and Metropolitan Anthony. Um, was key. There were saints. I mean, Saint John Maximovich. If you read, he was incredibly not just supportive. He he served the Western Rite. He consecrated bishops and made priests. He he uh, he was um, courageously, um, defiantly supportive. Um, and our bishops mm -hmm. are as well because they saw this as as critical to 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 bearing witness of the Catholicity of the Orthodox faith. This wasn't just, you know, some little thing, you know, take it or leave it. This, this was a, this was a part of who we are, um, that had been lost to us. And, and I just, it's very difficult to talk about this because when you start saying things like that, which are true, it sounds as if you're implying that orthodoxy without the Western Rite is deficient. And I just want to say categorically that is not what we are saying. That is not what our bishops uh, we're saying Bishop Basil, for example, preached a powerful sermon, um, you know, about the Western Rite and how essential it was to orthodoxy, how important it was and how important it was that we reclaimed it. But in saying that, he's not saying that we are somehow deficient. Um, we are poor. I think Father Patrick Henry reared, and I don't know if he's quoting someone else, but he's used that language. He said, we are poorer, uh, for not, for having lost, uh, the Western a liturgical tradition, um, not deficient, but poor. And, um, I would say maybe, maybe the way to put it is this, um, do we have the fullness of the faith as faith as Eastern Orthodox Christians? Yes, of course we do. Uh, is it okay though, that we have lost our Western liturgical tradition? And I would say emphatically, no, it is not okay. <laughs> so, mm. um, you know, my Baptist grandmother, 
uh, was a godly woman who loved Christ. Um, can she can she be saved as a Baptist? Absolutely. Um, is it okay that she is not receiving the Eucharist in the in the Orthodox Church and and her life being she's passed on now? But she so I, she is in the Orthodox Church uh, now at this point. But um, but is it okay um, just because she can be saved? and not be in full communion with the Orthodox Church, is that okay? And the answer is emphatically no, it's not okay. And so while the church is the church, um, it's there's still things that are not okay. Uh, and one of the things, the chief things that's not okay, is that we have, by and large, lost um, the, the, the Latin patrimony. It's not just the, it's the liturgical tradition, but it's the whole Latin patrimony, which um, really is preserved, communicated, articulated, and experienced, not just in a book. You know, you don't just pick up a book and, and, and read the, the pastoral, you know, theology of St. Gregory the Great. Um, it, it is preserved and lived dynamically through the liturgy. And the liturgy mm-hmm. communicates um, powerfully in the Holy Spirit through the sacraments and the way that the liturgy the rite itself is articulated through the prayers and the hymns, the ceremony, the whole ethos, because it does have a different ethos. It, it, there, it has a different character to it. It emphasizes different aspects of Christ's atoning work than the Byzantine liturgy does. And when, when, they, when all of these different, you know, there's a whole family of liturgies. There was never just one liturgy. That's a completely, um, you know, at odds with, with, with an Orthodox mentality. Um, and it's very unfortunate, uh, that, that a lot of people conceive of Orthodoxy as being, you know, a single liturgy. That was never the case. Um, but this whole right. ta- tapestry, I mean, we don't even have a single model of the atonement as Orthodox. Uh, one of our complaints mm-hmm. about Western Christianity is that, you know, there are different models of the atonement, different pictures, different ways of talking about what Christ accomplished through his life, death, and resurrection. And we don't settle, we don't dogmatize a single model because we understand that this is a great mystery and this mystery has to be articulated, experienced, and expressed in various ways. You know, it's a, it's a prismatic thing. And uh, the liturgy is the same. The church always understood that the, the living out of uh, the life of Christ in the, in the church through worship was um, took on different forms. The theology is the same. The dogma, the doctrine is the same, but it gets enculturated in a local people in a context. And not only that, but the the theology of uh, what's the theology that's being expressed in the liturgy. Um, you know, it's it's it needs to have uh, more than just one expression. Uh, in the same mm-hmm. way that we need more than one model of the atonement to be able to really describe and express the grand mystery of salvation, one model won't do. And and likewise, um, the different liturgies in the family of lit- of Orthodox liturgies that go back to the earliest days, they um, they express uh, the faith, um, you know, in in. Um, and they build upon one another. They 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 complement one another. Um, so just because maybe the Western liturgy expresses something different than the Eastern liturgy, it doesn't make it unorthodox. 
Um, that, right. that assumption is just sort of, it's not even rational, really. Um, you know, it's not, not a logical assumption. Well, one of the uh, things written in that edict from 1958 says that the purpose of the Western Rite is, uh, one, to provide a home in the Orthodox Church for Western people of a non-Byzantine cultural and religious background, uh, and two, actually, to witness to the Catholicity of the Orthodox Church to her own Byzantine Rite people, priests, and theologians. Right. Which sounds to me like what you're talking about. Yes, and 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 the um, I think there's three main tenets, or sort of you know, if you want to call it a mission statement of the of the Western Rite, restore the restoration of the Western Rite, and um, it, it is to provide a place for Westerns peoples to in their own culture, their own ethos and language, um, which is unique uh, to them to be able to be become orthodox and enjoy and live out the fullness of of an orthodox life um in that way um it's also has an evangelistic and missionary purpose um you know people by and large uh in the west um many are going to find it easier to enter into the church um, you know, coming through musical traditions, cultural traditions th that are expressed in ways that aren't going to be create so many stumbling blocks for them. Although I think personally, and this is my opinion, um, I think when that reason is presented as the primary reason, um, I think that's a tertiary reason. I think it's important and it shouldn't be dismissed by, by any stretch, but I don't think it's the most important in my mind, to me anyway, the most important reason mm -hmm. is the Catholicity issue. Um, sure. because that, that is overarching. We're, we're talking about the faith as, as, as it was expressed, um, you know, by the great fathers, uh, of, of, in the Western church. And, and this is the Holy Spirit worked through in a context, in a cultural context to, uh, just to, to, to make known and reveal and manifest, um, Christ's saving work within his church in the kingdom of God. And it is unique. It is unique. It's distinct from the way that the Holy Spirit did that in, in other venues, in other places and times. And we value its uniqueness. Um, and we cherish it and we want it. Uh, we need it. We, uh, are poorer without it. And it's not okay to just allow it to sort of be lost, you know, in the accidents of history or the sins of, of, of history. Um, it's not okay. We have to retrieve it. That's what I, I believe that. And it's, uh, I think it will only enrich all of our lives. Um, you, you know, we're not minimalists as Orthodox that, that saying, uh, less is more. Uh, well, that's not really an Orthodox saying, you know, that's legalism, um, tends towards reductionism. We're not legalists in that sense, and we're not reductionists. Um, for an Orthodox Christian, more is more, not less is more. We want everything. And um, I remember as a young man, uh, I, I took a, I, I was felt very close to the patriarch Jacob because I read the story about him wrestling with the angel of God and saying, I won't let you go until you bless me. And, and I, that was the sort of the cry of my heart as a young person. And I used to wrestle with God in prayer, and I, I just um, 
it it was um the the eros love for god it was desire it was this sense that i want everything i'm not going to settle for anything less than everything and in becoming orthodox i feel this the same way um this great treasures uh, old and new uh we we could modify that and say great treasures east and west <laughs> belong to all of us and and we we don't want to be poor uh it belongs to us and it will enrich our faith and our understanding and experience of of um salvation and and it will help us to win people to Christ and and to the church and bring them into the kingdom of God and so it's it's important for that reason and um it, it's Catholicity, you know. We we preach Catholicity. We want the whole, the entire thing. So that's sort of my what's behind my burning desire to, um, you know, support and encourage and do what we can to um, make people aware and um, hopefully um, have have all of our Orthodox brethren to be supportive. Uh, of this restoration because it's for all of us. It's, um, you know, when we, when we sort of, um, look, we, we deride, uh, the Western church, uh, the historical Western church and the legitimate, um, patrimony of the West, the Orthodox patrimony of the West, when we do not respect and love and cherish that, we may not understand what we're doing, but we're really, uh, harming ourselves. Um, we're, it's self harm. Um, it, it, it's almost, it, it's like cannibalism. Paul said, you, you bite and devour one another. Well, we're, we're biting and devour being ourselves. We're, it, this is the body of Christ. It's our own flesh and blood. Uh, St. Gregory and St. Benedict and St. Patrick. How, how can we be treating the bride of Christ in this way to, uh, just look down on her, demean her and, um, you know, speak, um, in such ways we should be respectful and, and cherish her. You know, I've often used an analogy of, um, maybe a, a mother who, who had a young child that was, um, stolen away from her as a baby. And, and this mother lost this precious child of hers. And, and many, many years later, a grown woman comes to this mother who had lost her child and says, um, you know, I think I'm your child. You're my mother. I've been searching for you all this time and I finally found you and here I am. And if that mother turned to that, that woman who, who was her lost child and said, well, I've been getting along quite well without you. You know, we, we've got our family now. We're doing well. Um, we don't really need you in our lives. Um, you know, even that kind of sort of, what do we need this for? Uh, why do we need this? We don't need this. Um, it, you know, it's, um, even an indifference and apathy, I, I think is just, um, it's not acceptable. So this, this whole analogy, you know, and uh, analogies and metaphors, they, they break down obviously at certain points, but that you have to hear what they're saying and not what they're not saying. But this whole analogy of the lost daughter coming back into the household, finding her, her mother, her parents and finding her, her home where she belongs um, and then, um, you know, if, if the parent of the, if the mother, the, the parents were like, well, we've, you know, we've been existing just fine without you. What do we right. need you for? What do we need right. you for? You know, I mean, we're, we're here, we're a family. It was sad. We're sad that you got taken away from us and it was terrible, but you know, we adjusted. 
We're happy. We're <laughs> fine. We're family. And we don't really need you in our lives anymore. I mean, if anybody, if you heard that story, if that was like a real situation, you'd say that was terrible. I mean, that's unconscionable. How could you be so ugly and do such a thing? Well, if, if my analogy is apropos, um, which I think it is, I think an attitude towards the Latin patrimony, the Latin Orthodox Church, um, I think to disregard it, to be disinterested, to sort of say, what do we need that for? Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's just not acceptable, you know, and then, <laughs> and then to, and I'm not trying to be too hard on people. I know this is a very difficult thing to work through, um, for people. They've got to really think this through, but in some instances, in a lot of instances, the, 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 the lost daughter has been welcomed back into the house. Right. And, and the, the, the response has been, oh, you are our daughter. We can't argue with that. You belong, you're part of the family. I mean, we can't turn you out on the street. We'll, we'll take you in. Um, but it's sort of like, um, you're going to need to sleep in the basement and, and take your meals down, down in the basement <laughs> and not with the rest of the family. Right. Um, and, and so that's, you know, that's not good. You can't do that. Um, she has to be welcomed back as part of the family, a full fledged, member. And I think that that is happening. I think as people are getting used to this idea, they're, they're saying, you know what? Orthodoxy doesn't mean Eastern. It can't mean Eastern. If Orthodoxy means Eastern, then the Orthodox Church has no Catholicity. It's not the Catholic faith, if that's what it means. And um, so, so if we have an opportunity to recognize the Orthodox Latin West, then um, we we must recognize it, and and not just recognize it in theory or in books, but if we can experience it, if it can become a part of our living experience of Christ, then how can we deny that? If if the Holy Spirit um, seems to be presenting us with this opportunity, how can we deny that gift? And so. I think that um, I have to say, in, in my experience with my brother priests and our hierarchs and bishops, I have actually not experienced much of that um, sort of negative attitude. The, the support has been overwhelming and, and encouraging. And I think, uh, I think a lot of my brother priests who came into Orthodoxy, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, under a um, a very strong anti-Western polemic, they they sort of came into the church under under that um, with that formation. That all these years later, they've been thinking about it and stewing over it, and as they've 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 gotten to know a little bit about the Western right and its restoration to the church, they're rethinking that mentality and saying, no, you know what. These the great Orthodox, venerable, ancient traditions, and and profound, you know, spirit filled liturgies um, of our Western ancestors and saints. Um, this is a part of our heritage, and for us to be able to reclaim this and make it our own and support this is really a, a tremendous gift and beautiful thing. And and I can say I know in our diocese and in my diocese, you know, I've got. I don't know, there's 30, 35 churches. Um, our brothers here are incredibly supportive uh, and loving and um, 
you know, we've, we have a, a diocesan clergy retreat and they request that we say the mass there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we feel completely integrated, you know, into our diocese and our bishops just couldn't be any more supportive. I mean, right. I can't even imagine them being any more supportive. They are enthusiastic. They feel passionately about this, uh, how important it is. And so, um, it's a joy to be doing this work. It's not, uh, we're not fighting our own brothers in this. We have the support of most of our brothers. There are some who maybe are uh, indifferent and some maybe a little antagonistic. Most people, it's just because of ignorance. They just don't, they just don't know. They just need to be taught. And for those who are willing to are interested, some people are just not interested, but for those who are interested, and want to engage, have a dialogue. That's what the website's here for. It's in part here to educate and, and, and to help answer questions and at least to pose and also just to pose questions. But we obviously don't have answers to all of the questions that are going to arise through this project, um, that's been going on for a long time. But, um, it, it's a, it's an avenue to even pose questions as well. And that's a really healthy thing to do. Otherwise you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> if, right. It's, it's, it's good to at least know what it is that you don't yet know. Uh, that, that's a form of knowing that kind of gives you, uh, a, an avenue into further exploration and, and learning. Uh, well, I've experienced the, the same thing. The only, uh, the, the other Antiochian, uh, priest in our, uh, region has, uh, reached out and been extremely gracious, uh, to us and our mission. And uh, other Orthodox churches of different jurisdictions, uh, OCA, Greek uh, archdiocese, have also been similarly very um, welcoming. And, and uh, we've had a lot of pan-Orthodox stuff in the uh, greater Atlanta region uh, that, that has um, welcomed our mission um, in with everyone else. And there's just been no, no division. So it's been wonderful. Um, there, there are some, you know, detractors. One, one tends to, uh, encounter them, uh, more online than in person. That mm-hmm. might be just the, the nature of online encounters in general. Um, but, you know, there are not, and there, there are questions that, that those sorts of people, uh, will pose regarding the Western right. But I think a lot of the questions they pose are probably honestly held by uh, others, like you mentioned, who, aren't necessarily antagonistic, but just are wary or maybe cautious or just too, too, um, ignorant about sort of the particulars of it to, to make a judgment or, or, you know, kind of reserving judgment. So maybe we can talk about particulars and specifics another time. Uh, I would like to, um, you know, answer as many of those, um, questions slash objections as possible. Um, I had my own before becoming Western Rite Orthodox. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've, you know, I, I found answers that, that satisfied me that, that were good. Uh, and I think others can find the same. But um, I, th- I think that would be good to continue the conversation. We can get into more specifics um, in future conversations. And, um, and, and I, I as well, I have my own questions. And I, I mean, asking questions, having questions is only prudent, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, so, so people should, should pose their questions and we should all investigate and we all want to be, um, you know, very vigilant about, uh, the purity of, of our, of our precious Orthodox faith. 
and we don't want it to be diluted in any way. Um, and, and sometimes people, um, you know, they have valid, uh, questions and concerns as well. They should. Um, but the, the important thing is to, um, to not sort of like, um, develop, uh, opinions without adequate information. <laughs> that's, that's what's important. Um, but, but to, to, to look at, uh, look at the reality and truth of things as they are, uh, with, with an open mind. And I think, you know, in this conversation, one of, one of the things I, at least I wanted to, to get across was that, um, you know, this, this, this whole project of restoration of the Western right wasn't, it's not some, it's not being done in the, you know, in somebody's basement or, or a garage somewhere by three or four people. This, this has been, um, this has been encouraged and fostered by, uh, many of the patriarchates of the Orthodox Church, many hierarchs, bishops, priests, many saints, uh, have, have categorically, um, you know, uh, supported and encouraged, um, and, and said that this is absolutely, uh, important, uh, that this comes back into the experience of the Orthodox Church, not just in theory, but into her living experience. We're not a church of abstract, uh, theory. We're, we're a church who experiences the dynamic life of God through worship, um, and in purity. And, and that has to be expressed. Um, so, and this is how we do it. We have to do it through, through the liturgical, uh, rites of East and West. So. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Um, thank you very much, Father Patrick Cardine, for the conversation. You're very welcome. Enjoyed talking to you and uh, look forward to our next chat. Sounds great. All right. Take care. God bless.